Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. A contract limits our responsibilities and protects our rights. You see, I don't want to have responsibility. I want to protect myself. No. In a covenant, we give up our rights. And we assume the responsibilities. By the way, if there's anyone that assumes the responsibility, it is to be the spiritual leader of the home, which is the husband. Is there a difference between a contract and a covenant? Absolutely, says Pastor Mark. Today, he will show listeners how each of these terms can be used to describe marriage. Maybe your view of marriage is a contract, but God views it as a lifelong covenant. The Lord's expectations for marriage are far greater than what the world has shown. Society's marriage says you make the terms of the contract, but God's marriage says he will define the covenant. Do you need to properly adjust your view of what marriage is today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, God Cares for Your Marriage. They started with Adam and Eve, and they're continuing for you and I today. In Psalm 127, where you've turned, let me give you the first expectation that God has. These are realistic now. Number one, God expects to build our marriages as he designed. God doesn't expect you to build your marriage without him. He designed the marriage. You have to be part of that design. Notice Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So what does that mean? When God begins to build a house, his desire is to build a house with both spouses already Christ followers, already have a relationship. So that's really what dating is. If you're dating today and you're a Christ follower, you never date an unbeliever. Because if you never date an unbeliever, you'll never marry an unbeliever. If you marry an unbeliever and you're a believer, you've already gone against God's word. And nothing good will happen. But Pastor Mark, I'm in love. Nothing good will happen. Well, if I can just get them to church, then it's going to be okay. Nothing good will happen. They have to be a Christ follower. They have to love God. That's the problem. Don't ever date a non-believer. 
you find out a person that's a believer, that loves Christ, that's the foundation of a home, a man and a woman. Now, some of you came to Christ later. You got married. You have a fairly good marriage. Both of you were unbelievers. Today, one of you become a Christian. Maybe your spouse is not. What do you do? 1 Corinthians 7 says you stay in the marriage. Because hopefully, as that unbelieving spouse looks at your life, they see joy and peace, and they go, I'd like to finally become a believer. That's the goal. So we stay where we're at. It isn't ideal. Sometimes we didn't know about Christ until later in our lives. And of course, we can't change it and go back. We stay where we're at. So rather than focusing on how you would like your spouse to change, when God begins to build our marriages, the only change that he wants to make is with you and with your spouse. Very often in our counseling sessions with the pastors, couples come in, and here's the kind of words we hear quite often. I give both couples a chance to say something and what they think and what's wrong, and here's what normally you hear quite often. Well, if my spouse would change, I mean, everything's fine with me. If my spouse would change, the marriage would be fine. And, And they go like this. So I just take my little ruler out, and I break both of their fingers right at the end, just like that. So think twice about trying to come in and counsel with me. Because then they, got, they can't do this. And it points back to them. See, that's why I break their fingers. If you wonder if people have sore knuckles, you, they've been to counseling with me. Now, why do I do that? Because God isn't going to deal with your spouse through you. God's going to deal with you. The problem in the marriage is always both people. Usually one more than the other, but it's both. So when God begins to deal with you, he'll deal with you. He'll deal with me. And when a person says to me, there's really nothing wrong with me, it's all my spouse, to be very honest with you, unless that changes, nothing's going to change in that marriage. That person is totally deceived. Because we're both humans, and we both have flaws, and we need God's help to fix it. Now, when God designed marriage, he designed it with five keys. Here's a picture of how a marriage looks like. This is what a marriage looks like. It's the triangle of marriage. It's God at the head. In other words, we follow. In Vieira, we follow the word. God's design, not our design, not Hollywood's design. Here in Melbourne, we follow the word. Husband and wife both have a relationship with God. Marriage was, number one, designed by God. Two, marriage was designed by God to be a threesome. That was a picture you just saw. You see, Ecclesiastes says this, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So it isn't a man and a wife. It's a man and a wife with God, and this cord is built, and it's not easily broken. You see, the husband and wife and God make up that, that successful home that's tied together by God. Number three, marriage was designed by God to be monogamous. When God made Adam and Eve, he didn't make Adam and Eve and Jane and Susie and whatever, or three guys. It's one man and one woman. Number four, marriage was designed by God to be heterosexual. The very first command God gave, listen, was to replenish, refill the earth. The very first command God gave. God did not make two men or two women because two men cannot replenish the earth. Two women cannot replenish the earth. Only a man with sperm and a woman with an egg can replenish the earth. Any other design is an abomination to God. Now, that's not politically correct, but that's biblically correct. We love the sinner, 
but we will not tolerate the sin. Number five, marriage was designed by God to be permanent. It wasn't this flighty deal, irreconcilable differences. Hello. If you're married, you have irreconcilable differences forever. Am I right? They just don't go away. By design, you're incompatible. God has a great sense of humor, and that's why he put us together. So we can learn to put up with that. Number two, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Number two, God expects, here's his expectation. Remember, God expects to help us maintain our marriages. Marriages are made in heaven, but they're absolutely lived here on earth. So I have to realize I have to depend on God's help for my marriage. And of course, if you're non-believer, you'll never depend on God's help. You see, Satan is out to destroy your marriage today. I have to fight for my marriage when I've been married 40 years. I still have to fight for my marriage. So does Linda, because Satan's against it. Do you understand how many people you do know in the 50s, and what you hear from is, well, they've been married 33 years and they're getting the divorce. They've been married 42 years and they're getting the divorce. They've been married 50 years and they get, what? They forgot the principle we're going to read in Matthew that we always have to fight for our marriages. Look at Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, in other words, I have to hear the word and then I have to change, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation in the rock. So that means as a Christian, the winds are going to come, the water's going to come up, I mean, the storm is going to be against me. Satan is out to destroy my marriage. But if I listen to the word of God and I practice the word of God, my house stands. That's why I'm still married today after 40 years. Because I and my wife made a commitment to follow God's word. Are we perfect? Far from it. That's why we still have struggles. James says, why are there arguments? It's because we're selfish. I want my own way. You see, you, you mean my pastor wants his own way? Yeah, just like you. I'm no different than you. So I have to fight that. Now, what happens if I hear the word? What happens if you leave this building today or up in or you hear it, but you don't obey it? There's disaster coming. Look at verse 26. But everyone who hears the words of mine, in other words, they know the biblical principles, but does not put them into practice. Number one, fool. You're foolish because you like building your house in the sand. The rain came, same storm. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. Satan came, beat against the house. But because you don't obey God's word, it fell. Now with a small crash, you're devastated. You're tore apart. And the family is strewn everywhere. You see, God says, you need my help. I didn't just design the marriage and go, see ya, have a nice life. No, you need my help. I need God's help. Here's a picture of how that looks. It's the triangle of help. The home is God designed. 
It's God directed and it's God empowered. Whatever I need, God is the answer. His word gives me strength, it gives me insight, it gives me direction. Whether single, divorced, homosexual, affairs, first time, just dating, not even a clue of what these things are, God is the one who's designed, directed, and empowered marriage. If I follow it, good things are going to happen. Someone has asked, what are the most difficult years of marriage? What do you think? First? Fifth, seven, here was the answer. The most difficult years of marriage are the ones that follow the ceremony. (laughs) Is that right? That's exactly right. Number three, turn with me to Malachi, Old Testament. Malachi, Malachi, Old Testament, last book in the Old Testament. Chapter two, verse 14. Here's number three. God expects marriage to be a covenant and not a business contract. You see, today, most people don't even understand the word covenant. Our culture is really built on contracts. Everyone knows that if you have a contract, all you need to do is find a very sharp lawyer, and that lawyer will find a loophole out of the contract. Well, in the old days, and this is even before I was born, how many know contracts weren't written? Contracts were just based on a what? Just a handshake. But if you look at an average contract today, what do you discover? It's longer and longer, and there's more pages and more pages and more pages. Why? Because everyone wants to find a way to block every loophole they can. So if you look at the laws in Congress, I mean, you got to be kidding me. You can't even read them anymore because people have found loopholes. And when we want this contract, we want to close all possible loopholes so that I don't have to be worried about anything. Well, Pastor Mark, really is a contract what's happening with marriage in the United States? Absolutely. Let me give an example. The increasing usage of prenuptial agreements. What is a prenuptial agreement? It's a contract. What's it say? It's an escape clause. It says this, I'm getting ready to marry you, but I know it's not going to work, and so I'm going to protect my assets from you. That's exactly what it is. So a covenant is what marriage was designed by. Look at Malachi 2.14. Now in Malachi, the Jewish men were looking to divorce their wives and God was angry about it. It's not changed. It's the same. They were looking for loopholes. Well, look what it says in Malachi 2.14. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, notice here, Vieira, watch, the wife of your marriage covenant, circle the word, the wife of your marriage covenant. See, a covenant was what marriage was designed to be, not a contract. A covenant is a solemn agreement with a binding force. 
Now, in the Old Testament, we have lots of covenants. And in the Old Testament, basically, when two people entered a covenant with one another, watch me, they would take an animal, and this animal would be killed, and the carcass would be cut in half and laid open. The two halves would then be placed on the ground. The animal has died. And if you made this covenant with another person, you and that other person would walk between the cut halves of a dead animal. And here's what you say as you walked. May God do to me what happened to this animal if I break this covenant. Now that's pretty serious, is it? I mean, you're walking between an animal that was just killed and you say to God, I'm taking this very, no loopholes here, I'm taking this very, very seriously. Well, that's what a covenant was. That's what marriage was designed to be. Now, the word covenant, make sure you understand this, the word covenant means to cut, to cut, in order to bleed. It was an intermingling of blood between two people. Kind of remember the old days when somebody cut their finger and somebody cut their finger and they put the finger together. That's the picture of covenant, to cut in order to bleed. Now let me say this to you because the majority have no clue what I'm going to say. God designed the woman, every woman, so that when as a virgin she consummated her marriage as a virgin with her husband, there was a shedding of blood. Every woman was designed as the covenant partner. As that marriage was consummated, God built in a virgin woman and a virgin man. As that took place, the marriage was built on a covenant of blood. Now let me ask you today, is that known? Is that practiced? Is that something that the world even has a clue about? The most sacred thing in all the world has been totally ignored through one night stands. Casual sex. The cutting of a virgin woman by her husband. A beautiful thing. Saying, we're basing this on life and death. So what have we done in our world? Made a joke of it. Since that can't be for most people today, something that will even happen, we just make it a contract. You see, covenant was all or nothing. It was sealed. It was initiated by a vow. We do that in the marriage vows. And then there was this looking back, a sign that you look back to. The sign is the wedding ring. So when I finish marrying someone, the 
covenant words that they were making were all during the ceremony. This was a sign that it was going to be true. And the wedding night was that intermingling of that which God designed in every single woman. We missed it. You see, today, write these down. A contract limits our responsibilities and protects our rights. You see, I don't want to have responsibility. I want to protect myself. No. In a covenant, we give up our rights and we assume the responsibilities. By the way, if there's anyone that assumes the responsibility, it is to be the spiritual leader of the home, which is the husband. And what do we have by and large in the church today? We have absentee spiritual leaders. We have men that won't lead, that refuse to take the role that God has given them. And that's why marriage, even in the church, is a disaster. So what is the definition? How does that look? Let me show it to you. Here's a little definition that you may want to write. Marriage is a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime of unconditional love to an imperfect person forever. You mean the person I'm married to is going to be imperfect forever? Yes. Just like you are. And just like I am. But it's a commitment that we've made to each other. And by the way, when we do this, we don't go, I'm a Christian, I don't get divorced, so it's going to be hell till God gets rid of me, but I'm just going to do it for God's sake. No, it's a disaster in the home. The kids that leave a home like that never want to get married because you've been playing a game. And the role model that we're supposed to be has been a joke. Because there's no intimacy and honesty between the husband and the wife. Guys, let's change it starting today. Let's be real in our homes. Malachi 2.16, notice the next verse after God talks about this covenant. He says, I hate divorce. Now it doesn't say I hate divorcees. He loves people who have been divorced. He wants to give them a second chance. But he hates divorce. Here's a picture I think of exactly what I'm trying to say to you. You know, 50 years ago, 75 years ago, when you got married in this country and you moved into this little house called marriage, see it on the screen? There was no back door. You just stayed married. But over time, our society has built a back door and it just has creeped open and open and open. A contract is often negotiable with options to back out and for limited responsibility. A covenant is a lifelong promise, never to be broken, and with no options to back out. Today, Pastor Mark taught us that our marriages should be far from contracts and much more like covenants. As God made a covenant with humanity by His Son's sacrifice on the cross, so should we be willing to sacrifice our life for the betterment of our spouses. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What is marriage? And are you getting the most out of yours? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will continue his study on marriage and teach listeners how to maximize happiness in their marriages. Unhealthy, unhappy marriages are far too often seen in our world today, and God is not the one to blame. The Lord promises pleasure and satisfaction in marriage, but requires spiritual discipline. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear 